afternoon again, everyone, although the word everyone seems to be a slight uh, exaggeration at this point. Uh, good afternoon, y'all. We can only assume that the uh, campsites of the UK are thronged with the members of Rotherham Evangelical Church and that they are with us uh, in spirit, although even not perhaps physically with us. Uh, and welcome. Uh, welcome to our service this afternoon. If you do not know me, my name is Ian, and I'm one of the leaders here at the church. Uh, and today, as Luke was saying, we're continuing our study called Foolproof. You can see the title on the screen there, uh, which is a series over the summer in the book of Proverbs. Just thinking about the wisdom uh, that God has for us in the book of Proverbs on different subjects. And uh, I want to thank uh, my good friend, Pastor Tom Goodman, who spotted this story. In, uh, in New York City, as you might imagine, there are lots of pets. There are tens of millions of people in New York City. And so, as you would not be surprised, they have lots of pets. And because it's a city that is full of concrete and steel, when your pet dies, you cannot just dig up the back garden and put it in there because... The back garden is made out of concrete. And so the uh, city, the council in, in New York City, has decided that they're going to charge $50 to come around and pick up your dead pet and take it away. So one enterprising lady spotted the fact that this was a, perhaps a bit of an opportunity and so put an advert out saying, uh, when your pet dies, I will come and take care of its body for $25, half the price. What a bargain. Uh, she then would go out and uh, go to uh, a, a charity shop, buy an old suitcase for $2. Uh, when she got a call, she would go around to the house. She would very respectfully put the dead animal, whatever it was, into the suitcase, pack it up and take it away with her. Uh, she would go home on the subway. And being aware that the subway is full of uh, thieves... She would uh, put the suitcase down and then deliberately not pay attention. Uh, straight away, someone would then grab the suitcase and run off with it. She would go, stop, thief, uh, as they left. And when they got home, the thief presumably had a really nasty surprise when they opened the suitcase. Uh, and like those thieves, we make choices every day. Every day we make choices, big and small, some plan, some on the spur of the moment, like perhaps they did. We do our best to make good choices. Uh, sometimes we have to suffer bad consequences for our choices like those thieves. Those choices can affect our family and friends, maybe our entire lives. Perhaps they just affect what we're going to have for tea tonight. Can we gain any insights on this process from the Bible? Can we make better decisions based on what Proverbs tells us? Well, let's find out and let's dig in and have a look at that. Um, and so you may remember that the book of Proverbs is really framed as a father's uh, guidance to his son. And uh, Luke defined for us that, that uh, wisdom is the ability to skillfully and successfully live even when the rules don't apply. 
the ability to skillfully and successfully live even when the rules don't apply. So we're looking for, we're looking at the subject of guidance in a book that is written as guidance. Hmm. Maybe we'll find something in there, just a guess. Uh, and by guidance, really when we, we use the word guidance, we're really thinking about decisions, making choices, making plans, thinking about what directions to take, those kind of things. And we're going to think about three questions today in that good way that we do. Uh, sometimes is that um, we're going to think about what wisdom on guidance is in Proverbs. We're going to think about what is God's plan for our lives and how does God guide us. So if you're taking notes today, I'd encourage you to do that. Those are our sort of main headings. What wisdom in Proverbs, uh, what wisdom uh, on guidance is in Proverbs. What is God's plan for our lives? And how does God guide us? So first of all, we're going to dive into the actual book of Proverbs itself. Some of you know that, uh, perhaps you may not know, I don't know, I've been building a large garden wall in our garden. Some of you may have actually taken part in helping with some of that. Some of you have helped move bricks and clean bricks and all those kind of things. Thank you. Um, and the reason we've had to do that is because the previous wall was built very quickly. And when they built it, the foundation was inadequate. They didn't do a good job of the foundations. And because the foundation was not really strong enough, the, uh, the old wall was leaning over. In fact, it was dangerous. Uh, why? Because the foundations were not good enough. And so we put, and I know this number by heart because I, I felt the pain of it in my back, so we put 1.8 cubic meters of concrete into uh, the foundation trench along with several hundred engineering bricks. This wall now has a solid foundation and is going to last. And when we're thinking about guidance and choices and those kind of things, we need some solid principles before we build this wall, before we think about decisions. Uh, without it, uh, without the, that solid foundation, we are not going to get uh, the right kind of thinking about making decisions. So let's look at a few of the most important bricks as we go through this. Brick number one is that we need to remember that God is our creator. The Bible tells us that in chapter 2 of Genesis. And in the same way that uh, a potter knows the reason why they've made a cup, God knows why we have been created. But he doesn't stop there. Just as a potter will know uh, what is going to happen to that cup after creation, the reason the cup has been created, so God knows what we have been created for. He has a plan for us, a plan that will fulfill his purposes as the creator, and which is good for us. After all, if you've created something, you know why you created it, you know what is best for it. And because God is good, everything God plans actually happens. Because he's a holy God, a, a powerful God, he is all powerful, he's the king of the universe, everything that God plans actually 
takes place. The big church word for that is sovereignty. We talk, sometimes we talk about the king or the queen as being a sovereign. They are in charge. Uh, God is sovereign. He has sovereignty. His plans always come to pass. Now that sounds perhaps a bit strange to you. I've got a plan to finish my wall, which will be finished by, by uh, Thursday. Um, what's that got to do with God? Right? I mean, you know, that's my plan, right? I mean, it's my wall, my plan. I'm building it. I'm not actually building it. I'm paying a man to build it and I'm helping him. Uh, it's clear I'm responsible for that, right? I mean, that is my plan. That, that, those are my actions. That is true. But the Bible is also clear that God is going to use my plans and actions, whether good or evil, to accomplish his will, what he wants to take place. So if you look back, if you've still got it open, uh, Proverbs chapter 16 there uh, that we read a moment ago, uh, there's a good example as we think about that. Uh, Proverbs 16 verse 1, we are making our plans... Plans belong to us, but the result comes from God. The result of our plans comes from God. He says that our plans seem good to us, but God understands deep down what our motives are. So verse 3, align your plans with God, and he was going to work out the proper end, the proper result of our plans. Our plan, his result. One writer notes that uh, your choices belong to you and what actually happens is completely set. And goes on to say that if we believe that everything is already determined or if we go on, or if we believe that we are totally free, that that is, those individually are not true. It is only those two statements together that are true. If we only believe one, or we only believe the other, then to quote the writer, we are cooked. Or in uh, Proverbs, just move down the page a little bit there, but verse 9, uh, in their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Some people find this threatening. Some people say, uh, uh, am I not free? I'm a, I'm a free person. Anyone remember the prisoner? Probably before most of your time, I'm not a number, I'm a free man. Um, yes, we are free, but, not, but God is not going to let that wisdom change his plan and what will happen. And I actually find that actually not threatening at all. I find that hugely comforting, the idea that God is in control. I know that uh, my Heavenly Father is watching over me, and that gives me a sense of liberty when I'm planning and making decisions. Even if I mess up, I know that God is watching over me and has a great set of, uh, a great regard for me and for my welfare. We, we just recently finished the book of Genesis, didn't we? Uh, just a couple of months ago. Don't know if you remember what Joseph said in chapter 50. His brothers had tried to kill him. They'd thrown him in a pit. They'd sold him into slavery. What does Joseph say when he's been reconciled to them 
when they finally get together and they've gone all through the stuff with cups and grain and sheaves and all that sort of stuff, he says, Joseph says, the one who'd been sinned against, the one who had been hurt so badly by his brothers said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So God is sovereign. The, the second brick that we're going to, going to build in this, uh, in this foundation is that the plans God makes for his people are for our good. But we don't always believe that. Uh, we read the Bible, we hear the very words of God, and we know the way he's talking about, and we understand it. And somehow we think, oh, maybe he's not got my best interests at heart. Maybe I need to do it a bit differently. That could be pride on our part. Hey, you know, okay, I've got this. I know what we need to do. You know, yeah, I know what God's saying in here. But, you know, I'm a self-made person. I've got it covered. Uh, Or maybe we just think that God is less than he is. Maybe we think he's more human and so prone to make mistakes. No, he's not using human intellect and knowledge and wisdom because he's divine. It says in the Bible, and this is God talking, it says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. He just thinks about things differently. He sees things differently. He has perfect wisdom, perfect intellect, perfect information, perfect knowledge. And yet we spend time wrestling with, oh, is this is what God says actually the best thing for me? That is just, although I do it quite often, that is just such a daft exercise, isn't it? Yeah, think about it. Yeah, if God is perfectly good and in him there is no darkness and he has perfect knowledge, if he is holy and if his plans are therefore by definition perfectly good, why do I want to argue with that? Why do I want to do something else? And anyway, as we've just seen on the previous, the previous brick in our wall, because he's sovereign, the end result is going to be what he wants anyway. So why am I trying to negotiate in this way? Why am I trying to say, no, I think I might have a better idea? We've read, over several weeks now, we've read this passage from Proverbs, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Third brick in the, in the foundation, the third brick in the wall, sounds like a bit of a Pink Floyd song. Uh, the th- third brick in the wall is that we cannot lose sight of the fact that although God is sovereign, we are responsible for our plans. We are responsible for our actions. Just because uh, we know that God, the end result is going to be what God wants, we are still responsible. We cannot sit in our bedroom all day uh, playing video games or just lying about or whatever. We're accountable for our actions or our inactions. Uh, we read it a moment ago in, in, in Proverbs 16. God weighs all our motives. And he's going to hold us to account. We still need a plan. We still need to make decisions every day. Even if we decide not to make a decision, that is a decision. And we're going to, in the second half of this message, we're going to think more about how we make those decisions and get a bit practical. Fourth brick in the wall is that 
And this is, this is surprisingly common. Maybe it's not surprising, maybe just me, I don't know. Sometimes we feel we've missed the path God intended for our life. Sometimes we feel because we made a wrong decision somewhere, we're now on plan B rather than plan A for our life. Maybe we've made several long decisions and we now feel that we're on plan H instead of plan A for our life. Because of, because of a decision or maybe even because of chance. It's gone, we've gone the wrong way down a track and that this was not what God intended for our life. Remember, God is sovereign. There is no plan B. You are in the plan for your life. And that does not mean that you have not suffered. Of course, we all suffer and go through many terrible things in life. But God does not cause those evil things. He may allow them to happen, to strengthen us, to teach us things. But it is not that that this is not his plan in some way. So we have to be very careful about this. Uh, God does not create evil, but he may allow things to happen to us. So if you are living with regrets, and it's easy for me to say this, but I have my own regrets as well. If you are living with regrets, put them behind you. Do what the Apostle Paul says. Press on. Instead, press on to what is in front of you. That is what matters. Last brick in the wall. In our foundation. Uh, God has told us everything we need to know about decision making and planning. Uh, if you want to successfully assemble flat packs furniture, something which is a bit of an oxymoron in my mind, uh, successfully assemble and flat pack furniture, uh, then you give someone instructions. If you want someone to learn about your culture, you tell them stories and narratives about that culture. If you want someone to be inspired, you write poetry for them. If you want someone to follow a great leader, you tell them what the great leader said and you tell them what they did. And God works in the same way. He has done that for us in his word, in the Bible. He's given us everything we need to know about decision-making and guidance and planning. And although it may not be what we expect, is everything he wants us to know. Okay, well, uh, let's move on to our second point. Uh, what is God's plan for our lives? What is God's plan for our lives? Trust God and try to live a life pleasing to Jesus. Okay, on to our third main point. The, hold on. That was a bit fast, apparently. Let me say that for you again. Uh, the second main point, what is God's purpose for our lives? Trust God and try to live a life pleasing to Jesus. Now, you all want me to cut straight to the chase and start telling you about things like where I should live, what job should I get, who should I marry, uh, what house should I rent, should I buy that coat, all that kind of stuff. We're going to get to that. But when we're asking those questions, we're often asking the wrong question. 
Or we're asking a question that comes perhaps way down the list. In the, the excellent book called Guidance and the Voice of God that I would recommend to you, the writers point out, too often we start off asking questions right down the list at number 200 and whatever. The right questions are the things God thinks are important. Yes, we're concerned about where to live, whether we can afford that new car, whatever it is. God is concerned what our motives are. Are our choices and the plans that we're making moral, in accordance with his law? Do we love God when we're making these decisions? Do we behave as if we love God when we're making these plans? Do we love our neighbours? Do we love our brothers and sisters in Christ? Do we behave as if we do? What is his will for my life? Those are the questions that we're starting with. Those are the questions that will inform our decisions and our choices. I don't know what choices you are on your plate right now, what choices you have to make, what decisions you're facing. I know that we're all facing some decisions because we're alive. Every day we are making decisions, even if it's only, is it Asda or Little? Um, this is the big one. Who am I living for today? God or myself? God has created us and yet, as the prophet says in Isaiah, you turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me. Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? We want to do things our way and live a life for what pleases us. But that is not why we were created. That is not why we are here. God tells us in the Bible that his people are designed to be holy and blameless, designed to be adopted as children, designed to inherit from God, designed for good works prepared in advance. And yet we choose the opposite every day. And God is going to hold us accountable for those choices. A pottery is not going to tolerate a cup that wants to be a teapot all the time and will not tolerate his creations saying, I want to do things my own way. So he's got a terrible problem. God has got a terrible problem. How is he going to save this creation that he loves so much that insists on going the wrong way? He sends the one who was not created. He sends into his creation the one who was never created, Jesus, the Son of God, someone who knew the will of the Father perfectly. Someone who's never made a wrong choice, but who did make some really big choices, who did make some really big decisions, deciding to die for all of the creation, deciding to die because even though he created it, he knew that if he did not, there was no hope for any single one of us. Knowing that in him being broken, he would be acceptable to God. 
And so, God's purpose for our life is to trust in Jesus. This one who always planned to save us. If that is not part of your plan, then your foundation is shaky and your wall will fall. Trust in Jesus to save you today if you've never done that. And follow God's will for your life. Well, let's move on to our our third point. Uh, Proverbs is a, uh, as we've said before, a very practical book. We want to be practical about this. So uh, the third main point is how does God guide us? We've got some decisions to make. What actually does the Bible have to say for us? Um, In the Bible, when we read the Old Testament, we read about God guiding his people in various ways. Lightning bolts prophets, uh, voices from burning bushes, uh, wet fleeces, all kinds of things. Uh, Is this how we can expect God to speak to us now? Is this what we should be looking for? No. This is what it says at the beginning of the book of Hebrews. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Lightning bolts, all that. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. So before Jesus had come, yeah, God's talking to his people in all different ways. Now, the way God guides us is through Jesus, his Son, whose words and actions speak from every page of the Bible whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament. We're not going to be hearing from prophets and thundering voices from clouds, uh, talking donkeys was always a good one, uh, signs in the sky, throwing dice or anything else. We are, and we're not going to hear from God by opening up the Bible randomly and reading a verse. So, uh, in the seventh year of Jehu, Joash became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem for 40 years. I hope that all meant something to you uh, in that way. Um, Folks, never, ever just open the Bible, read a verse randomly, and shut it again. Always read it in context. Always read what's before, afterwards, and understand what's going on. That is how God promises to speak to us. Through the Word of God. Through Jesus. And so... God's given us specific information in the Bible to guide us. He's given us everything we need to know. Uh, First of all, he's given us what you might call matters of righteousness. Instructions, commands, what is good, what is evil, what is right, and what is wrong. Commands and instructions. Uh, You remember in the definition we gave of of wisdom uh, that Luke said, uh, these are the rules. These are the rules that we're living within. Proverbs 13, 13, whoever scorns instruction will pay for it, but whoever respects a command is rewarded. So there's matters of righteousness and there's matters of wisdom. This is uh, the other part of the definition. This is when we're living outside the rules. Uh, In the Bible, there is advice, encouragement, things to build us up. And narratives to inform us, to give us ideas of uh, the way in which God thinks about things, how Jesus' heart actually is. 
Number three, there are matters that are, so these matters of righteousness, these matters of wisdom, there are matters that are not in the Bible. Let's call them trivial. Trivial matters. These are the things that God has given us complete liberty to think about. What is the colour of your car? The Bible doesn't tell us what the colour of your car should be because God has given us complete freedom to choose and he doesn't really care that much anyway because it's a car, you know? So, let's apply this, try and apply this in a straightforward example just to give you an idea of how these three things fit together. Matters of righteousness, matters of wisdom, uh, matters that are trivial. So, should I go to my father's birthday party? Let's say. Uh, just to be clear, particularly for folks who've listening in to this afterwards, um, uh, this is an illustration only. My father is no longer around. Uh, and even if he has, uh, if, any, if, if even when he was, a lot of these things were not true about him. This is just an illustration. So, should I go to my father's birthday party? Is there a matter of righteousness here? Is there a command? Yes. In the Bible, in Exodus 20, uh, verse 12, it says, Honour your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. This is a command. So, all other things being equal, I should go. I should go and honour my father. Uh, that is a good thing to do. Uh, should I take the bottle of whiskey I was thinking about giving him as a present? Proverbs 20, God says that wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. And I know that in this particular illustration, he's struggling with alcoholism. So although there is no particular command in that passage, wisdom says, hey, you know, giving, giving a bottle of whiskey to an alcoholic is not a particularly smart idea. So that I could do that, I wouldn't be breaking one of God's commands. I'd be pretty daft to do that. So because I know he struggles with alcohol addiction, I'm not going to uh, take him the whiskey. He said I'm going to take him socks. Good present for a, for a guy, socks, you think? Yeah. I certainly brought my dad's socks at some point. Um, would he like brown or blue? No, he's got brown eyes. Maybe the brown. Uh, God does not care about our footwear. This is completely free to make this part of the decision. Um, so there are some things where where the instruction God gives us is there is only one decision. There is only one point at which we can operate. Those are his instructions or commands. Where he's given us wisdom, he draws a, an envelope so to speak, and he says, be inside there somewhere. That's good. That's all sensible. That's good. And there's some things that he says, yeah, you do what you want. Uh, how about, should I take that job? Is there a matter of righteousness in the Bible when it comes to job selection? Sure. Maybe I want the job so I can earn lots of cash and be really wealthy and drive a big fancy car and I am just loving the money more than God or my family. Is there a matter of righteousness? Too right there is. God has an awful lot to say about the love of money and putting the love of money above the love of God 
and family. Is there a matter of wisdom? Well, perhaps the hours are a bit shorter and so I can spend uh, my weekends and evenings with my wife. Well, that is good. So, yeah, so there's a matter of, of wisdom in there that I can consider. Does it matter if my office has a window or not? Probably not. That doesn't matter. There are lots of examples. You could go on and on and on creating the same kind of thing. Hopefully you get an idea of the kind of structure we're talking about. Thinking in the Bible, is there a matter of, is there a command, an instruction? Is there a matter of righteousness? Is there wisdom? Is there advice to pay attention to? Is it silent? So, if that's all true, here are some important applications, some things to think about. If you're a list kind of person, there are six of these. I'm a list kind of person, I kind of like them. So, number one, read the Bible. Listen to what is being taught. How else are you supposed to know what is in there? How else are you supposed to figure out what the commands are, what the instructions are, and what the advice is? If Sunday is the only time when you open your Bible, how can you expect to know what God's advice is? It will take you a long time to get through the whole Bible that way. So, number one, read your Bible. Number two, when you do have a sense of what's in there, listen to what's in there. Okay, so it's all very well knowing what's in there. uh, But if you never actually apply it to your life, then what's the point? Uh... Proverbs 12:15 The way of fools seems right to them but the wise listen to advice Actually the wise first of all ask for advice and when they get advice then they listen to advice uh, So uh, number 1 read your bible number 2 make sure you're paying attention to what is in there Number 3 we talked about this last week uh, have a few people in your life who can speak with love and honesty into your life. Okay? Two, three, four, five people. Probably you don't need more than that. Uh, Although more is good, you don't need more than that. Uh, They should be of the same sex as you, because when you're having those conversations uh, that bring those kind of subjects up, you want them to be uh, on the same uh, page that you are. We are talking about that last week from the point of view of pride. It is true for this week from the point of view of guidance. Tell these people your thoughts about the big decisions, your plans, and listen to their advice. And these people, these people I call my wise counsellors, they will point you to what God says in the Bible. Whether it is commands... No, Ian, robbing a bank is not a good idea because God said don't rob banks. Whether it is advice, they will, if they're the right people, point to the Bible. If they're pointing you towards a lot of other things like the TV and the internet and tea leaves and whatever else, they're the wrong wise counsellors. In fact, they're not wise counsellors at all. Proverbs 15.22, plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Okay? Don't go to your cave in the hillside, make a little decision on your own and go, ta-da! Okay? Because it could very well be the wrong decision. Ask the people around you, the people you trust, the Christians, and say, hey, I'm thinking of robbing a bank. Do you think that's a good idea? 
Um, uh, so, read the Bible. Number two, pay attention to what is in there. Number three, talk to your wise counselors. Number four, pray about the choices facing you. Take your plans, show them to God, and seek his wisdom. The Bible says if we pray for wisdom, he will give it to us. Uh, the easiest way for your plans to succeed are to make sure they line up with God's plans. Because God's plans are always going to come true. We pray, don't we? Um, Thy will be done. And it's going to be done. It is always going to be done. So if you can line up your plans with God's plans for your lives, what is pleasing to him, then in his sovereign will, that is going to lead to our decisions being good ones and coming out true. Number five, touched on this very uh, briefly a moment ago, beware of other sources of advice. Not to say don't listen to them, there's a lot of wisdom out there, but particularly, particularly, particularly look out for the internet, TV, people who are not grounded in the word. Look out for your heart, okay? Yeah, just follow your heart. That'll be okay. Wrong. Uh, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. Here's the test. If it contradicts what it says in the Bible, it is not from God. It's as simple as that. Oh, I feel in my heart that, that God is uh, urging me to, uh, because I'm short of money, I'm feeling in my heart that uh, it is good to go and rob a bank. Uh, I'm feeling in my heart this is okay. No. That is not God speaking to you. That will never be God speaking to you. It might be something else speaking to you, I don't know. But it sure ain't God speaking to you. Why? Because it contradicts directly what is in the Bible. Oh yeah, um, I'm I'm feeling in my life that uh, my heart is telling me I'm drawn to this job that means I'm going to work 70 hours a week and I'm never going to be at home. No, that is something else. That is not the word of God drawing you to that. Finally, very importantly, enjoy the liberty given to us. Enjoy the liberty given to us in decision-making. God has made us stewards of things. God has made us to make decisions. He has not made us to uh, procrastinate. He has not made us to be paralyzed by fear of not pleasing God or, or missing God's plan. Yes, listen to advice. Yes, pray about it. Yes, read what it says in the Bible and then make a decision. There's no need for procrastination. Put off procrastination till tomorrow and make the decision today. That's okay. Enjoy the fact that we've been given liberty. We're not robots just to follow God's will blindly. We've been given liberty to make decisions, decisions that please us as well as God. Make them. That's okay. And enjoy it. Well, we should wrap up. Whether we're thinking about uh, guidance, planning, decision-making, choices, all these areas. Like the other things we've talked about in the book of Proverbs, they're all a heart issue at the end of the day. They're all about our hearts. Are our hearts lined up 
with God? Are our hearts recognizing our Creator? Are our hearts recognizing that God's purposes and will for our life is good? That His plan is good? Or in pride are we seeking to go our own way to say, yeah, 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 God is good, but I've just got this little bit over here that I'm kind of looking after over here. You know, yes, uh, God, I want to follow all these plans for your life, but not this little bit here, because this bit's mine, and it's really nice, and I love it, and it might be quite sinful, but it's mine. No, we need, to, we need to be aligning our hearts with God. We need to be understanding what his will is for our lives and lining it up with that. Um, but not in a way, as we were saying, where we're paralyzed by fear, not in a way where we uh, are so uh, agitated at the concept of decision-making that we just cannot make a decision. Let us seek out what God's purpose is for our life. Ask your Christian friend, what do you think God's purpose is for my life? Look what it says in the Bible about God's purposes for your life, that we should trust him, that we should live a life that is pleasing to him uh, as far as we can, that we should be making our decisions and plans freely in the light of all that he said and enjoying that. If there's something there that in terms of particular guidance that you're seeking or particular things you're looking for and you don't know what God's will in that area, please talk to your Christian friend who you came with, perhaps talk to one of the elders here, Luke, or the other Ian and myself. And let us open up God's word for you and show you how good he is and how he only wants the very best for your life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have not left us to wonder how we should make decisions. You have not left us without guidance. Lord, instead you have given us the Bible, particularly the book of Proverbs, talking to us about what you would have us do. Lord, you have given us everything we need to equip us to make decisions and choices in our lives. Help us to trust you, as we were singing about. Help us to trust in you to make decisions. Your word is good. Your guidance, your advice is good. Your commands are good. They are meant for our goodness and for your glory. Help us to apply them into our lives. Lord, help us to make decisions that honor you. Help us to make decisions that we will acknowledge are filled with you. We ask all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.